Well, again, happy Advent, uh, this fourth Sunday of the season, and also uh, the fourth and final sermon in our Advent series, uh, where we have been in Luke chapters 1 and 2, considering those four Christmas songs that uh, Luke records around the birth of Christ, that very first Christmas. Uh, So far, we have heard Mary's song, uh, Zechariah's song. Last week, the, the song of the angels, and this week, Simeon's song, also known as the Nunc Dimittis, uh, which I'll explain a bit later. Uh, and this is found in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 25 to 35. If you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, uh, you will find it on page 857. Now, as I was studying this passage over the past week, I was reminded of some conversations that I had very early last month, uh, conversations with uh, Dan Caprio and Philip Forgett, uh, these two men being uh, lifelong fans of the Chicago Cubs, who had finally, finally won the World Series. And I remember uh, one of them saying that now, whenever the Lord calls him home, He has finally seen the glory and can depart in peace. Am I right, Dan? Am I right? Well, interestingly enough, that means that they have something significant uh, in common with Simeon, who was also waiting to see glory. Of course, a much more profound glory, uh, but waiting to see glory so that he too could depart in peace. We'll meet uh, Simeon in just a moment, uh, but first, let's pray. Lord God Almighty, once again, we do thank you for coming to us, for revealing yourself to us in Jesus, for making yourself known through your word. And so we would ask once again that please now, would you open your word to us and us to your word? And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, as I said, uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, verses 25 to 35, but I'm going to begin the reading in verse 21 uh, for context. And and also, when I get to verse 35, the last verse in our passage, I'm going to reorder the last two phrases uh, to help us better hear what's actually being said and just want to give you a heads up so you're not caught off guard and, and get confused. But let's now hear the word of God from Luke chapter 2 beginning with verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And this is the word of God. So the scene before us, Mary has given birth to her firstborn son. Mary and Joseph now go up to Jerusalem, to the temple. They go to make a purification sacrifice and to present their baby boy to God. And it's here in the temple that, that Mary and Joseph encounter this old man named Simeon, who we meet in verses 25 to 35. And today we're going to look at this passage in three parts. Uh, Simeon, song, and sight. Uh, so we'll, we'll first consider this old man, Simeon, uh, then talk about uh, the song that he sings, and finally uh, we will look at how he sees so Simeon, song, and sight. Well, Simeon, uh, let's begin with this old man in the temple, uh, verses 25 to 27. And let me uh, reread those couple of verses for us. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Okay, what do we know about Simeon? That's it. What you've got in front of you historically, that's all that we know about Simeon. Now, the, the text implies that he's an old man. Now, given that he speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible presents him as a prophet. Uh, his character is highlighted, uh, referring to him as righteous and godly. And it says that he is waiting. Verse 25, he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon longs for the deliverance of his people. He longs for God to, to comfort and to renew and to relieve a sinful and broken people, an oppressed people. In other words, Simeon is waiting for the coming of Christ, for the Lord's anointed one. And he is waiting, why? Well, because, verse 26, because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Well, I want us to, to think carefully for just a moment about one key word in verse 25. It's the word waiting. 
Simeon is waiting. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the coming of Christ. Now, some of you will remember Matt Garrison. Uh, Matt and Trina were a part of this church for several years, up until a couple of years ago when they moved away. And I, I remember Matt once sharing about a colleague of his. Uh, they, they were waiters. They served tables at a local restaurant. It was late one Saturday night. The restaurant had closed, and the two of them were talking. They had a long conversation, and his friend said this. I wasn't always a junkie. I don't want to be a junkie. I'm waiting not to be. And as Matt rightly put it, isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us? We're all waiting. We're an Advent people, not just during the, the season of Advent, but an Advent people all the time. Waiting for the arrival of our Savior. Waiting to be fully delivered from our sin and sorrow. We're all waiting. Waiting for something. Waiting for someone. Well, Simeon's waiting, though wearisome at times, was also full of joy and anticipation. He was waiting for someone he loved. He was waiting for someone he knew loved him. He was waiting for God, resting in the truth of God's promises, the truth of God's salvation, a salvation worth singing about. Which brings us to the next part of our passage. Song. Let's move from Simeon to his song. And we're going to look at his song in its two sections. Uh, the traditional hymn and then the tragic postlude. Uh, the, the traditional hymn found in verses 28 to 33 and then the tragic postlude uh, verses 34 and 35. And so the traditional hymn, uh, picking up again, verse 28. Simeon took up the child Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Well, it's clear. Simeon's heart soars when he sees this baby, when he sees Jesus in the flesh, when he sees God's salvation, light of the world. And he sings to God, praise and glory, hallelujah. Finally, my eyes have seen. As one commentator uh, beautifully describes this, these verses seem to tell the story of a servant who is instructed by his master to keep watch through the long, dark night on a high place to wait for the rising of a special star, and then to announce it. After wearisome yet expectant hours of waiting, he at last sees the star rising in all its brightness. He announces it, 
and is then discharged from keeping watch any longer. And in this case, God has called Simeon to, to watch and to wait for the star of salvation, the rising of God's Son. And he declares, verse 30, My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon sees Jesus, and he knows that he has seen the very face of God. He knows that he has seen the bright morning star, the rising of God's Son, and he can't help but sing for joy. Jesus, verse 32, a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And Simeon says, yes, this is the one, this is the light. But he recognizes that this wasn't just for Simeon himself to see, or even just for the Jewish people to see, but this was for everyone to see. Simeon's song, as Philip Ryken puts it, takes the gospel and makes it global. Simeon sings of good news for the whole world. Okay, one more thing before leaving this part of Simeon's song. Did you notice how it begins? Verse 29. Lord, now you are letting, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I remember well uh, January 1996. Uh, my grandfather died on January 28th of that year. And granddaddy and I were very close. And I remember sitting by his bedside as he was is dying, his, his body in pain, but his soul very much at peace. And I remember asking him, Granddaddy, are, are you ready to go? And I remember he said yes, that he had seen Jesus, and he was ready to go home. Well, for Simeon, the coming of Christ had one very important personal implication. It meant that he was ready to die. He was ready to go home and be with the Lord forever. And so this is why he begins his prophecy with words of dismissal. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. So as, as I said earlier, this part, this, the traditional hymn here, it's known as the Nunc Dimittis. This, this, these are simply the Latin words, meaning, now you are dismissing. Because remember, Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And now Simeon has seen the Lord's Christ. He has seen Jesus. And he's ready. Verse 29, he is ready to depart in peace. He is ready to die. Well, as... For Simeon, so for everyone. The only way to die in peace is to have seen Jesus. God's desire for you and for me is that we would not see death before having seen Jesus. All of us will face death. But you're not ready to die until you've seen Jesus. 
That leads us to the tragic postlude of Simeon's song. So after the traditional hymn of his song comes the, the tragic postlude of verses 34 and 35. So hear these words again. Verse 34. Simeon has just praised God and Simeon now blesses Mary and Joseph and then says to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Simeon has sung of God's salvation. He has sung of Jesus. And he also knows that the Savior would only accomplish salvation through a sword. Not wielding a sword, but rather dying on one. From Christmas to the cross, this baby was born to die. This child was born for confrontation and crucifixion. Jesus was born to confront the sinful hearts of sinful people to expose our need of a Savior. Jesus was born to be crucified for sinners like you and like me that we might know the forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with God. And yet Simeon knows that not everyone will receive this gift, this offer of forgiveness from God. As he says, some will fall. Those who are proud and arrogant, unwilling to admit their need, and thus reject God's forgiveness through unbelief. Others will rise. Those who are humble and repentant, who recognize their need and receive God's forgiveness by faith. Again, the only way to die in peace is to have truly seen Jesus. God's desire for you and for me is that we would see him. And God's desire is that we would not only see Jesus initially when we first come to faith, but also that we would continually see him that we might live by faith. And so we move from song to sight. Lastly, sight. And so the question have you really seen Jesus? And if so, have you seen him recently? And if not, have you been looking? Well, the heart of this passage is verse 30, where Simeon declares, My eyes have seen your salvation. Now, again, God's desire for you and for me is that we would see, that we would see Jesus. But maybe you're like me and you just say, it would be so much easier if, like Simeon, I could have just been there. I mean, if I could have just seen God in the flesh. But think about it for a moment, friends. Think about that day in the temple 2,000 years ago. There were hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people in and out of the temple that day. Hundreds of people who saw this young father and this young mother with this newborn child. Hundreds of people who saw Jesus. 
But they didn't really see him, did they? No, because they weren't looking. They weren't waiting. They weren't waiting to see the Savior. Well, a few years ago at our denomination's uh, annual convention, uh, General Assembly, uh, was hosted down at Virginia Beach that year, and one of the guests for the week was an Anglican priest uh, by the name of Rico Tice. Uh, Rico is from England, and, and he tells the story of one time when a, a friend of his had invited him for a very nice lunch at a, at a very fine restaurant uh, in London. And so Rico arrived, and the restaurant was located on the second floor of the building. So Rico went up the stairs to the second floor, checked in with the maitre d', and discovered that he had arrived uh, before his friend. So he went back down the stairs halfway because there was a nice-sized landing with a large window, and it was a beautiful day, and thought he would wait there. And other people came back and forth up and down the stairs over the next several minutes. And then a young man by himself came up the stairs. And he went and he apparently did the same thing, checked in with the maitre d', found out he had arrived before his party. And so he decided he too would wait on the landing and so walked back down. So here are these two men and they do what us men typically do. They kind of glanced at each other, gave the head nod, and then stared at the floor. Well, a few moments later, another man comes bounding up the stairs and says, William, sorry I'm late, let's go to lunch. And Rico says it was at that moment that he realized the young man standing in front of him had been none other than Prince William. Up to that point, he said all he saw was a, was a young man with a nice smile and thinning blonde hair. <laughs> and, and, and do you hear the point? Rico saw William... But he didn't really see him, did he? No, because he wasn't looking. He wasn't waiting. He wasn't waiting that day to see his future king. Well, for us today, just as it was for Simeon, the issue at hand is it's not ultimately physical eyes, but rather spiritual eyes. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of faith. And just as Paul continually prayed that the eyes of his heart and that the eyes of our heart would be opened, so too we must continually ask to see. We must continually ask that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to see Jesus. And here's the thing. The eyes of our heart are opened by the Holy Spirit as we come to the living word Jesus through the written word, the Bible. And then with Simeon, according to God's word, we're able to declare, my eyes have seen your salvation. So in a week, it'll be Christmas. What are you asking for? Simeon really wanted to see God's salvation. More than anything else, Simeon wanted to see Jesus. Because he knew that if he did, then his heart would be truly satisfied. But he had to wait, didn't he? And it's not easy to wait, is it? I mean, if you've got young children, just ask them. 
In fact, I did that the other night around the dinner table, didn't I? They're, my kids, they're looking at the advent calendar, counting down the days, and we were about halfway there. And I said, do you like to wait? No. In unison, all very strong emphasis, no. Waiting is hard. And so I want to wrap up. As we wrap up, I want to return for just a moment to waiting. Because as we talked about a moment ago, we're all waiting. We're all an Advent people. We're waiting for the coming of Christ, for his return. And so the question isn't, are you waiting? But rather, how? How are you waiting? Because when you get down to it, there are really two basic types of waiting. Okay, think about it this way. One day you're at the airport and you're waiting to pick up somebody you don't know. So it's, it's impersonal. Maybe the company sent you to pick up a client. But you're there to pick up somebody you don't know and there's a delay. So, I don't know, maybe you get frustrated, bored, fatigued, apathetic, angry. I'm not sure, but you're definitely not expectant. Resigned is more like it. Well, another day you're at the airport and you're waiting to pick up somebody that you do know and love. And there's a delay. I remember when Heather and I were dating and she was finishing school in North Carolina. And I was living in Colorado. And I remember being at the Denver airport waiting on her delayed flight. Now, was I disappointed in the delay? Yes. But I was also very expectant of her arrival. And because I was so very in love, and still am, <laughs> and because I was so very in love, my, my expectancy, my anticipation grew with every passing moment because I knew that she was on her way. There was joy in the promise that she was coming. Again, Simeon's waiting, though wearisome at times, was also full of joy and anticipation. He was waiting for someone he loved. He was waiting for someone he knew loved him. He was waiting for God, trusting, resting in the truth of God's promises, the truth of God's salvation. And as for Simeon, so for us. We too must continually ask to see Jesus and then wait expectantly for him. You see, waiting with expectancy, it, it expands our hearts. It, it cultivates the soil of our hearts so that, so that we're more likely to see more clearly. Yes, we're waiting with expectancy for Christ's return. That day that we most long for, when Jesus comes back and makes all things right. But also, we're waiting for Jesus to reveal himself in the day today of our lives right here and right now. And so we ask to see him right here and right now with the eyes of our hearts. And by grace, we will see him. You will see Jesus in the midst of your own personal struggles as you increasingly trust Him and grow in grace.
And you will see Jesus in the relational challenges that you face as you increasingly depend on him and extend the grace that he extends to you. And so, brothers and sisters, like Simeon, let us continually ask to see Jesus and then wait expectantly for him. Amen? Amen.